You are listening to Turn the Dial with your co-hosts, Scott and Renee Comey. And we are excited to talk about what your clients, your consumers are wondering. Mm. So did you know, or do you know, what the most Googled things about the real estate industry were in 2021? Well, I know. Well, of course you know. We're about (laughs) to talk about it. Well, the number one most Google item was, when is the market going to crash? And the number two was, when will there be more inventory? And why is this important? I think it's important because if your clients are wondering this, they may or may not be asking you, but they are looking for you to let them know what is going on, right? They're looking for you to be the export, the the resource, all things real estate when you are in real estate or mortgage fields. And it's actually 77% of buyers and sellers in 2021, according to our Redfin survey, believe that we are in a housing bubble. 77%. Mm. That's three out of four people, right, are thinking that we are in a housing bubble. So whether they're actually asking this question to you or not, they're thinking about it. When you're going to meet someone for their initial buying consultation, when you're going to meet someone for a listing conversation, they're wondering, is this the right time? Are we in a bubble, right? And how do you respond to that? Do you feel like you pay attention to what's going on in the market enough to have an educated response, to have a conversation about this? And a lot of times when we don't, we avoid a topic, right? If we don't understand a topic, we avoid it. So our goal today is just to be able to talk about this a little bit, give you some uh, key points that you might be able to bring up in a conversation. And that way you're, you're really uh, helping educate your clients so they can make decisions. Yeah. And, and real quick, I just wanted to say, kind of give you an action step, if anything, to start this episode out as well, which is maybe if those of you that have kind of tactics to call through your database every week, every day, or every month, or whatever that might be, maybe you proactively bring up the question with them without them asking mm-hmm. so they're not Googling it. Because it, that's an astonishing stat, that 70, whatever it was, 77%. 77% on the Redfin survey. On yeah. the Redfin survey. I mean, that's crazy, right? So what if your clients weren't part of that because they already were educated by you, by you proactively bringing it up to them? Like, hey, do you have any questions? I, I hear that this is a number one topic Googled. Do you have any concerns or any questions I can answer for you? I love the one-on-one. I love doing video content. A lot of you are jumping into some video content. Can you answer that question on your social media in a video that someone could re-record and find again later, right? Yeah, so grab a pen and take some notes because we're going to share some facts, right, Yeah, that you might be able to share. Right, so let's start out with what is a crash, right? People will say crash, people will say bubble. Let's start out by defining what a crash or a bubble is. Um, So what a crash is, by definition is when prices fall by more than 10% from a 52-week peak index, right? So when the price index falls by more than 10%. So if we have an average price in our market of $500,000, let us say, over the last year, um, the house prices would then have to fall to $450,000 to be more, or to be at 10%, I guess, $449,000 to be more than 10%. A crash is really rare. That does not happen often. A correction is when... Uh, prices fall by less than 10% from a 52-week average. So a correction's more common. Uh, Bubble, when people say bubble, right? A bubble, a housing bubble, is a run-up in housing prices fueled by demand, speculation, and exuberant spending to the point of collapse. Mm. Took that definition from Investopedia, by the way. (laughs) Um, 
And that way we know what we're talking about here. By the way, you cannot have a bubble unless you have inventory. So that second question that people are Googling, when is there going to be more inventory, is key. They all play together, right? It's not an easy question, which is why people are curious about it and avoid it because there are so many factors that go into this. But that's why we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. So that's what a, a, a crash or a bubble are. Now we know that. Now the other thing that comes up Almost every conversation, I know, I know you guys know this, is everyone goes, well, they, they lived through a bubble, right? We lived through a bubble in 2007, 2008. There's not too many people you're talking to right now, especially if they're thinking about buying or selling a home that doesn't remember that time frame. Mm -hmm. So we try to relate to things that we've seen or things that we know. So I think it's also really important to know what did cause that last housing bubble. What things are the same? What things are different, right? And that way people can understand. So if you uh, hadn't really paid attention to that, I love the movie The Big Short, by the way. It's just a fun movie if you're ever looking for that. But to understand kind of what happened in 2007, 2008. I cried in that movie, by the way. Uh, well, we lived through it with real estate. I mean, yeah. it was pretty crazy. It's a sad movie if you were in the industry at the time, for sure. But mm -hmm. yeah, sorry. Um, but so during that time, there was a lot of just excitement over the market. There was that speculation, exuberant spending there were a lot of homes on the market. Uh, I think you actually had the number, didn't you? Well, I had I had nine months of inventory when I was, I mean, and I had like 12 homes listed at once, you know? And During at the time, time, I wasn't a super high producer, so that's... <laughs> speaks to that. That speaks to that, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was an oversupply of homes. Um, if you did live through that time and you were, if you ever sold some new construction, you'd see some new construction builders were like, you know, buy this, you get a car. We'll throw in a Mustang when you buy this home. Uh, they were offering extra commission to buyer's agents who sold more than one home from their development. Uh, there were all sorts of crazy things going on to try and encourage you to pick that new construction plan. Yeah, and, and the stat that I have actually from Statista.com, the number of home builds leading up to 2008-2009 was 14.56. This was 2000 to 2009, 14.56 million new home starts and that was a record to this day. That nine year span is a record high. Give you perspective, the last nine years, 6.9 million, not even half of what caused all of that over, you know, over inventory. Over speculation, over inventory. Issues, yeah. yep. So in 2007, 8, 2008, or sorry, 2007, 2008, we had an oversupply, way too many homes. People were building like crazy. Part of the reason why they were building like crazy is it was easy to get money. If you didn't have a chance to work through that time, there was a very low standards for what it took to get a loan. Some of that has to do with what was going on with uh, obviously where the money came from. So mortgage-backed securities, how everything was rated. Uh, we, the investors thought the risk wasn't as bad as it was, right? So it was like a, a riskier investment that was being sold as a better investment. That's kind of the short story of it. But people were being given money willy-nilly, super low down payments, really uh, flexible mortgage programs and lending practices. Giving, and, and no money down. I mean, I, granted, there's there's a couple of loan programs that exist right now, VA, right? Mm -hmm. for, for no money down, USDA, for example, another no money down. But we're talking literally 80-20 loans, they called them. And we're not yeah. talking conventional financing. Two different lenders lending to one borrower 
Yeah, so getting 80% of your loan on a normal loan and 20% on uh, a a more riskier loan, your down payment loan. And no skin in the game for that consumer, which was part of the problem. But for averages, when we look at kind of that bigger number too, the average down payment in 2007 was 9%. And that was the actual down payment. The typical down payment for 2021 is 15.9%. So people are putting way more money down on average across the span of different homes, right? Um, in 2007, 45% of first-time home buyers were financing 100% of their home using those kind of creative products that Scott mentioned. Only 17% of first-time home buyers in 2020 were financing 100% of their home through things like VA or a down payment assistance program, right? So there's just much more money being put down up front, a lot less risky uh, investing happening. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's different we talked real touch uh, quickly on was the, the inventory. So Scott mentioned the new construction, uh, new construction and building, right? But even existing homes for sale. So resale homes in the United States for sale in the month of July, 2007 were 4 million homes. Existing homes for sale in uh, April 2021 was 1.16 million homes. Wow. And what do you think has been happening? Is the population getting bigger or smaller during the last decade? Well, it's been getting bigger. Let me, in fact, let me share with you another stat that I have. So, uh, as most of you know, the average home, first time home buyer last year was 33 years old. Okay. When that potential customer was born, there was 3.8 million uh, births that year, okay, Mm -hmm. in the United States. Um, The following year, it was 3.9. So that's what we'd be dealing with this year is slightly more people that were born the following year. 4.1 million the year after that and 4.2 million the year after that. Why is that important? Four years in a row of super high birth rates. We're talking, so think about this. If the average age of a home buyer stays at 33 for the next four years, we're only going to get tighter in terms of inventory issues. Yeah, you're going to have more buyers entering that peak buying average age of 33 for the next three to four years. Yep. um, Before we see a population decrease or dip. Yep, exactly. Um, So all these factors kind of add up. And that's why it becomes this harder topic to have, right? It's just not so easy to say black and white. But most people have had some type of basic economics and you kind of look at supply and demand. We are going to have a higher demand with lower supply for quite some time. Now, there's a few other factors that come into play that are great to know about and be aware of. Another top topic, if you turn on the news or pick up a paper these days, is inflation. Mm. And a lot of people have no idea what inflation really is, right? I mean, you kind of remember, you know it's not a good thing, but what is inflation? So inflation is measured. A lot of the stats that are talking about are uh, measured from a, a, the CPI, a weighted average of the consumer price index, which weights average on primary needs, which are functioned around transportation, food, and medical costs, right? So what does the average person spend and spend their money on? So bottom line, inflation is talking about the increase in prices of goods and services and the decrease of your purchasing power. Give you a, a quick example if that was way over your head. Uh, Investopedia, cup of coffee in 1970. The average cup of coffee cost a quarter. In 2019, the average cup of coffee cost $1.59. So if I still was holding on to a quarter, maybe I just had a quarter in my piggy bank back from 1970 that I hadn't spent. It was just sitting on my shelf, wasn't collecting interest or anything like that. 
that money is not worth the same amount in its purchasing power as it was in 1970. Now it's still a quarter, it's still worth 25 cents, but what does 25 cents buy me 40, 50 years later, right? Mm. 50 years later, oh my gosh. Um, so that's what inflation means. So that's kind of hard to think about. And there's, there's all sorts of different things why inflation is important. But if you are in real estate or mortgage, real estate has traditionally been a great investment seen as a hedge against inflation. Hedge against inflation? Are we talking about bushes or landscaping here? <laughs> but essentially, if I have a house I buy for 100000 and I use OPM, other people's money, so I'm putting my, maybe I'm putting 20% down or whatever the average was right now, I think 15.9, right? Maybe I'm putting that amount down. That portion of my money is the only part that I put in. The bank put in the rest and I have an interest rate on that. But then I have that home that was worth 100000 a day that might be worth 120000 in the future. And we won't give an exact date, right? But there we go. So my money grew with inflation. If I go to sell my house, which, you know, there's cost to selling your home. There's things that come in, other factors, maybe taxes you pay, right? But my home went up in value along with the market versus the quarter that sat in a jar on my shelf that didn't go up. And there's multiple asset classes that do this. It's not just houses. There's other, you know, methods of investing to hedge or keep up or beat out or whatever you call it, inflation. But that's really critical to know as you're talking with consumers. So if someone does have a whole bunch of cash, they need to be probably talking to a financial advisor, probably not you, right? But about this conversation about don't just leave those quarters on the shelf because they're losing money on those quarters every day. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, speaking of increase in costs and in increase of inflation and, and everything that happens around that, I'm going to talk about home value increases, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to give you data, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that supports kind of the home affordability and where it was in 2006, right before the, the crash and 2021. Oh, I think that is huge, by the way. I'm really excited you're going to talk about this, right? Because that's another piece that comes in with inflation, right? We know wages have changed. We know all these things have changed. So inflation affects affordability. So even though prices are so high, what other things have gone up, right? Are they really so high or has everything inflated together? Right. Yeah. So, so let me just give you some data that kind of supports again, that, you know, we, we are in a very strong, still real estate market. Um, 2006 home price. I'm just going to go on an average here, 300,000, 2021, that same house. And these would, are nation averages, right? US well, this averages. Is, this is this is just a, a stat and it's an example actually. Okay. It's an example. Okay. So two thousand six, we're using an example of a three hundred thousand dollar home. Okay. Got it. That same home theoretical in two thousand twenty one, four hundred and twenty three thousand. Okay. Because the average appreciation over that time frame, because keep in mind a lot of homes went down in value quite a bit in two thousand seven, eight, and nine and ten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um so three hundred thousand to 423. That's a 41% appreciation rate. That's what the average home has appreciated since 2006 because of that dip, right? Mm -hmm. So the rate of an interest rate though in 2006 was 6%. Okay. Now I'm, I'm doing this from October. I'm, I'm getting this information from October of last year, uh, 2021. So 3% interest rate. So half the interest rate of 2006. Okay. Mm, yep. Is that same house. The payment in 2006, based on a 6% interest rate, $300,000 purchase price, $1,800 payment. Hmm. Today, at the 423 price, 3% interest rate, 1783. 
Oh, it's actually less. Payment. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost the same payment, right? And so here's the interesting thing though. The average household income since 2000 or in 2006 was 6,000. The average in 2021 was 9,300. Mm. So why is all of this relevant? Well, let's talk about the percentage of your monthly income as it pertains to your mortgage. In 2006, to your point earlier, sharing about these creative loan products, right? The average percentage of income to your mortgage payment was 30%, meaning 30% of your, of your monthly income was going to your mortgage. Oh. 2021, 19%. So people are spending less money per month on their mortgage payment, even with the higher prices, again, putting them in a stronger financial position overall, speaking to the strong housing market. Got it. Yeah. And then you can add in all sorts of different comments here or topics, right? Like what's it costing for rent? Do you have control over rent? Yes, housing, there are other costs to owning a home that people have to think about. You don't get to call your landlord when uh, the dishwasher goes out. Now you have to cover that yourself, right? Um, but in in general, your minus your taxes and your repair costs, your base payment should stay the same when you're in a fixed rate product, right? A fixed rate mortgage. Um, so affordability in there. Did you have another comment on there before I go into inventory? Nope. Okay. So uh, as... Again, there's so much we could talk about with there you, is, but we're yeah. just trying to give you some key points, just a little bit of education and go do your own research, by the way, because a lot of what we're going to talk about is national. Um, but as you all know, when you are talking real estate, you got to talk local, you know, what's the employment situation look like in your, in your market, right? When we talk about supply and demand, having great job opportunities is a huge part of demand, but inventory, right? We, he mentioned inventory, uh, having continued pressure or request for inventory, based on age and how many people were born 33 years ago for the next th few years, right? More and more people were born 33 years ago. We had a, a birthing boom. He mentioned new construction and how the uh, new construction is down. By the way, if you want to look at something really cool, if uh, whether you're a member of the National Association of Realtors or not, uh, they have a shortage tracker that they have had out since 2019 that you can get to on the website without having to be a Realtors member. There's 178 metro areas. Historically, construction to be on point for the inventory needed needs to be one permit pulled for every two jobs added in a market. Hmm. Thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I never knew that before, before researching for this. And so I just, you know, spot checked a few markets. Like I said, there's 178 in there. Seattle was one I wanted to check because that's my home market. So Seattle metro area, one permit's being pulled for every five new jobs that have been adding and a lot of jobs have added. So that's behind compared to the one out of two. Miami was also one out of five. LA Anaheim is one out of eight. Boise and Houston are one for two. They're kind of keeping up on construction in that market. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, one permit for every 11 new jobs. Think about that, mm. that uh, behind in inventory there. But some other things going on with inventory, when people go, when is there going to be more? There is no hidden inventory anywhere, right? So it's just as the builders can build and as people resell. Um, supply chain constraints are a big issue. You know this shopping anywhere, going to the grocery store, going to the hardware store. There's probably sections of shelves that are empty or things that you've had to substitute in the last year because we've had some supply chain constraints, uh, much due to the pandemic, right? Those aren't going to be overcome easily. According to the Associated Builders and Contractors, uh, construction prices are up 23.1% over last year, and that was cited in October 2021. 
so really recent. And they mention all the issues. If you go look through Associated Builders and Contractors about the supply chain disruptions, a lack of labor, so not having enough people going into construction, right? We had an issue of that pre-pandemic. What do kids want to do these days? They want to go to college and work behind a computer, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have enough people going into the trades to fill those jobs for people retiring. So who's going to be making these homes? Unless people emigrate and take those jobs, which then causes more housing shortage because where are they going to live, right? So there is a, a shortage in construction labor, supply chain, materials. Materials are going up, which is again driving the prices up or making it harder for a builder to want to build because it eats into their profit margin. If they can't build the prices up, they don't want to take less money on the same work. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing on, on inventory issues, you know, just to go back to what I shared earlier, I actually was looking at this. You have to go all the way back to 1949 to find less homes being built. So the last, if you take the last nine years, actually the specific period is 2010 to 2019, 6.9 million new construction home, home builds. You have to go all the way back to pre-1950 to get to get anything more than that. No, excuse me, anything less than that um, over a nine-year span. That's crazy. That means in the last 50 years, for an, every nine-year period, there's been more new construction home builds. That's super, super crazy. One more thing I wanted to share too. Um, there, in terms of equity in homes, right? There's a lot of people that are concerned about, well, what about all these people that ha had to file for mortgage forbearance, right? Mm. Oh yeah, that's a great point. And so, so there's a group of people that think that, well, all those people are gonna you know, not be able to afford their mortgage and they're gonna end up going into foreclosure. Well, here's a stat for you, okay? Because to, to be a foreclosure, or excuse me, for somebody to, to file for foreclosure, it means they potentially can't sell their home in an equity position. In other words, they have negative equity. Well, in the third quarter of 2021, only 3% of all homes in the country with a mortgage had less than what they owed on the mortgage. In other words, most of the homes in the country that are mortgaged have equity. That's a great statistic. So, I mean, that really shows you because it's not like all 3% of those even had forbearance. Correct. Yeah. Good point. There's, there's not a lot coming into the market from that, that aspect. Yep. So, I mean, my predictions, not that that matters, but my predictions are we're going to see more multi-generational living. I think we'll see people remodel and do different things, um, you know, to stretch a housing to fit more people. I know the builder, a lot of the builders are building multi-generational homes with mother-in-laws and things like that. I think that trend's here to stay for a while. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. But do yourself a favor, block out maybe it's 30 minutes a month. Maybe it's not a lot. I know most MLSs do a monthly report, probably the first week of the month out after a month is closed. You know, take a little bit of time to read that, to understand it, to think about what it means, uh, to pay attention to what's going on in your local economy. And that way you can have an educated conversation with your consumer and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing, right? We know you don't have a crystal ball. No one's looking at you to know exactly what's going to happen, but they're looking at you to know what kind of factors are going on. What does this look like historically compared to before? And to give them some type of information that makes sense. So not just, oh, I think it's a great time to buy, or I think it's a great time to sell, because that just sounds like you're a salesperson, right? Why is it a great time to buy? Why is it a great time to sell? What's important to me? What should I know when I'm going to go take that next step? You've been listening to Turn the Dial. Please check us out on Facebook at Turn the Dial Podcast and Coaching. 
We would also love for you to rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to this show. Until next time, thanks for listening.